Hello, this is Penn Gillette. If I were to actually listen to the Liberal Cube podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I could potentially enjoy it. The Libra Cube. That is a podcast we haven't heard yet. Might be good, might be terrible. The Libro Cube Podcast with host Jordan Maywood. All right, here we go. This comes to us from our good friend Jordan Maywood. You call hamburger steamed ham. Yes. Hello, welcome to the Librocube. Uh, my name is Jordan Mayo, and I am the lackadaisical Librocube Regalist. This show is a journey into my mind, specifically the regions of those gray, gooey folds where I keep uh, uh, the media I have consumed. This is getting very disgusting very quickly. I should say, perhaps on that note, that I haven't recorded in probably two weeks or so or ish. The media consumption has not been uh, huge, uh, so that's probably why that has happened. Although you do have a lot. This is a jam-packed episode, I will say, for sure. Uh, with that in mind... Oh, shit, I forgot to... See, look at me. I, I normally have my buttons ready, but uh, right now... Oh, shit. I just hit the microphone, too. Probably a professional would edit that out. But I am not, so I will not... And I refuse to do so. Buttons, buttons, here come the buttons. Let's push one of them, specifically this one. Movie monologue. Today's movie monologue sponsor is The Monk Barber. And uh, let me just do something here... Yes, yes. Movies, movies. Uh, movie the first. Oh, wait, did I say the sponsor? No, I didn't. See? Oh, God. Today's movie monologue sponsor is The Monk Barber. Want a haircut like a monk? Come to The Monk Barber. Thank you for that sponsorship. Movie the first, Bad Boys. Bad Boys? Bad Boys. <clears throat> what you gonna do? What you gonna do when they come for you? Uh, this is the... Oh, yeah, what year was this? 1995. Uh, 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 Will Smith. Uh, you, you got yourself some Martin Lawrence. You got yourself some Taya Leone. Minus any sort of pants the entire movie. In fact, quite often, it almost appears as if she uh, confused a skirt for a belt. Which, uh, how old was I in 1995? Let me do some math here. Uh, because I do remember... Something about Taya Leone in this movie doing something to it. A, a young George. Oh, shit. So I was 14 years old. Okay, well, there you go. That explains it. Uh, 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 a horny teen. Something about Taya Leone in this movie really appealed to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, two hip detectives. <laughs> what? Who wrote this one? Uh, this is from the IMDA, of course. Two hip detectives. I can't get over that now. Are they detecting hips? No, this is hip for you who... This is b before someone even born in 1981 didn't use this. Two cool detectives. Two, uh, yeah, two hip detectives protect a witness to a murder while investigating a case of stolen heroin 
from the evidence storage room from their police precinct. Um, we've got some Joey Pants in here, Joey Pantaleone, which is always a bonus. This is uh, Michael Bay, quintessential 90s action movie. Uh, a lot of the set pieces really, really well done. Um, I don't, like, was it 100% practical? Uh, if there was any sort of uh, manipulation, it's it's done so well that you can't really tell. At least I couldn't. And uh, really just sort of, uh, I don't know if it was these movies specifically or there was other ones at the time, but 90s action movies, f uh, if you watch any of them, you'll see things that you see in this. And, and uh, this sort of set the stage, I feel like, for a lot of this style of movie. And they did it well, uh, rating-wise. Uh, I don't know if I could go, uh, um, I going to say f four out of five. I don't think I can go five out of five just because it's two hours long. Uh, a spoiler wheels. Oh shit. Yeah. <clears throat> should say, as I should say at the top of every show, uh, that I may spoil some of the media I have consumed over the course of however long I have consumed it. If you have not experienced yourself, I'm warning that possibility and also something is happening to my voice huh <clears throat> anyways um the, the the spoiler warning was a joke one anyways uh we also watched bad boys 2 and both of these movies felt very very long uh this one is just one hour 59 minutes and i feel like bad boys 2 was even longer uh like we actually uh, <laughs> about geez halfway through this one or, or three quarters of the way through i had to turn it off because i was so tired i couldn't keep my eyes open anymore uh also there may have been a few drinks and pot involved which you know that's a thing no heroin though or h as they call it on the street i believe horse that's another thing uh uh, uh devil's um baking soda i don't know i i made that one up uh, yeah, so rating-wise, we'll just go four for the uh, original Bad Boys. Good action, uh, good buddy cop, uh, funny. Teo Leone. Uh, moving on to uh, uh, Fleabag Live from the National Theater. Yes, uh, I spoke very, very highly of the television program on this podcast, and uh, I forget where I heard it. I, I think it was in an interview with Stephen Colbert, actually, uh, where she spoke of how she did like a, a sort of... Uh, I don't know what came first, to be honest, um, where either the, she turned the show into a one-woman show or the one-woman show was turned into the show, uh, and, and this was the one-woman show. Uh, a rip-roaring look at some sort of woman living her sort of life. <laughs> See, this one's better written. Uh, with family and friendships under strain in a guinea pig cafe struggling to keep afloat, Fleabag suddenly finds herself with nothing to lose. Wait, her name? I thought that was just the title. Like, we actually call her Fleabag? Huh, that's interesting. Uh, this is, of course, starring uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who, uh, man, jeez, I'm just such a big fan of. Um, it's like I've never seen her do anything that I haven't thoroughly enjoyed, from Fleabag stuff to just being on chat shows to interviews to, to anything. It's it's just like uh, so, like a sort of a fascination with her, maybe. That, that's what it is. Uh, lover to death you might say um it's, it gets very dark uh very funny very dark very emotional uh you will feel things i hope if you watch this i think uh, can i give it a five out of five jeez 
Okay, you know what? I, I, I'm positive I gave the show a 5 out of 5. And to be honest, I would rather watch the show. So I'm going to give this a 4.9. Hey, logic. That's how those things work. Moving on to The Name of the Rose from 1986. Uh, an intellectually nonconformist friar investigates a series of mysterious deaths in an isolated alley. Starring none other than Sean Connery, Christian Slater, and other names that you would probably recognize. Uh, this falls into the category of uh, movies I heard someone talk about on a podcast and say it was very good. Where usually I end up liking them a lot. Um, this time it was fine. Uh, just on that note, rating wise, 3, which if you are unfamiliar with my scale, 3 is, uh, you know, had enjoyment while watching but probably wouldn't watch again. And, uh, I can't think of a reason why I would watch this again. It's just kind of, some interesting things, but overall, a murder mystery, period piece, you know, Sean Connery with a shaved head <laughs> to look like a monk. You got Ron Perlman as like a hunchback in Notre Dame type dude. That's something. Um, yeah. Okay. That's fine. That's enough to say. Oh, you know what it was too? Uh, I think on the podcast it was, they spoke of how this was a book as well, and that the book was really good, <laughs> excuse me, which maybe I'll, uh, now that I've seen the movie and know what it's about, and wasn't blown away, I don't know if I would read the book actually. Anyways, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll just stick with that and move on to the aforementioned Bad Boys 2, which I see, oh my god, no, well this explains, it's 2 hours and 27 minutes long. Okay, so right off the bat, that's too long. It felt long. <laughs> it's funny because uh, the missus and I, I specifically, one second, uh, both took a half day uh, on a Friday and decided, you know, we're going to have a little party, uh, do a little day drinking, watch some movies. And uh, it was like four o'clock, so we're like, okay, let's, uh, you know, go upstairs and just lie in bed and laze around and watch this movie. Perfect. And we went up uh, at about four o'clock, uh, and then because we had to do a few things and uh, pause the movie a couple of times, it was literally eight thirty by the time we were done. So to watch this two and a half hour movie, it took us like double the time practically, which is ridiculous on our part as well. But also because this movie is too long. So uh, rating wise, I would go a four. And I would maybe even go higher than a 4, but uh, I, I'm just going to go a 3.1 because it's too long. It's, it's There was a point in the movie where I legit 100% thought it was over and then realized, oh, okay, we still have to go to Cuba, which probably was the last 40-ish minutes of the movie. Uh, two loose cannon narcotics cops investigate the flow of ecstasy into Florida from a Cuban drug cartel. Is that where ecstasy where does ecstasy come from uh of the drugs i have done which i'm not going to list them here because that's probably not a good thing to do uh ecstasy was not one of them so uh, i don't really know much about it uh the missus and i said yeah let's get some <laughs> i think she was joking but uh who knows in these crazy times speaking of which ooh, segue unintentional to see uh cops do some of the things that cops are doing in this movie uh, it has a different flavor than it used to, which is an interesting sort of social commentary. Like, to see these two um, beat the shit out of 
uh, uh, like and interrogate people by pointing guns at their face. It, it gives you a bit more pause than it certainly did when this movie came out in 2003. So uh, that's probably a good thing. It's probably the fact that we're looking at this now and going like, oh, Jesus. Oh, cops. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Let's push a button. Oh, shit. God damn it. Having some difficulties with my buttons today, but we got it here. Television talk. Today's Television Talk sponsor is La Nuff Nuff. Thank you for that sponsorship. We're talking Brooklyn Nine-Nine Season 7. Speaking of cops, um, actually, you know what was nice? Uh, uh, the cast of this show donated, I think it was $100,000 to Black Lives Matter. So, uh, and, and sort of urged other actors and actresses uh, and television programs uh, where uh, uh, police are portrayed to do the same. So uh, I, I think that's sort of a, a cool juxtaposition there. Uh, it is only 10, 11, 12, 13. Well, that's sort of a weird number. Uh, 13 episode season. Let me just look at the last one because I feel like normally seasons of this are longer. Are they not? So 18. Yeah, uh, last season was 18. <clears throat> because the reason I say that is because I, I felt like I started watching this and then uh, like a couple of days had passed and I had finished the entire season because the show was always very good and the season, uh, I don't know, a lot, a lot of, a lot of highlights, a lot of, uh, a lot, a lot of parts I very much enjoyed. Um, was this made on, oh, season eight is in the works. That's cool too. Um, yeah, uh, rating. I, I think I've never not given a, a season of Brooklyn Nine Nine a, a rating of five out of five because they're so so very good and and funny and silly and uh, uh, JPLs. Sometimes we talk about JPLs, uh, jokes per minute. Even though I said JPL, that's Jet Propulsion Laboratory. I meant JPMs. It's tired. It's tired. <laughs> Oh my god, I was gonna say it's early and I'm tired, but I just shortened it. You know, I'm saving time by just saying it's tired. Me being the aforementioned it. Uh, <sighs> um, we've got uh, a, a lot of blasts from the past. We've got uh, Doug Judy. We've got uh, uh, who does Manzukas play? That guy where he's got like memento disease. Uh, very, very good and funny, and I highly recommend the show as a whole and the season in particular. Really, uh, they they really did a good job, and I like it. So I mention it to you. Wait, do I have a book? Yes. Conan the Librarian. Don't you know the Dewey Decimal System? <laughs> Banter. Today's book banter sponsor is the Evil Kender Juice Bar. Thank you for that sponsorship. Uh, okay, so we are talking uh, uh, Steel and Stone, which is a Dragonlance uh, novel. It is from the Meeting Sextet, and it is book number five. Oh, shit, wait a second. Sextet means seven. I, I guess I still have one to go. Is two heads rolled despite the leaders believe rules travel made 
okay, wait a second. Did I skip this one or already do this one? Uh, my, my question or, or my difficulty here is the fact that I finished book number six of this book this morning, The Companions. Did I already talk about? Okay, let me, uh, should I do this thinking out loud? No, let me pause for one second. Okay, what I think I have done is in, inadvertently read too many books. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, I read uh, book number five, which is called Steel and Stone, and apparently forgot to talk about it. Uh, and this morning finished book number six, uh, The Companion. So why don't we talk about them both? Hey, look at this. You're getting a, a double book banter, which I haven't had in years, I feel like. I would occasionally have them back in the day. Um, but, uh, been a long time, been a long time, been a long, long, okay. So, uh, book number five, steel and stone. Um, let me read the Goodreads. Looks like we got a good Goodreads here. Uh, life isn't simple for the hot headed pair. They must contend with a carnivorous two headed troll. Oh, it was a troll. Why did I, I thought it was an Etten. Well, that's doesn't make sense. What? Yeah. Uh, never mind. Uh, <laughs> D&D stuff there. Uh, a deposed leader who believes... Uh, oh, God. Fantasy names. Kitiara is the cause of the ruler's troubles. A vindictive mage who seeks peculiar vengeance and Kit's hulking former lover. I didn't know he was hulking either. He always sounded sort of like a diminutive guy. Um, they also meet a beautiful magic user hiding a painful secret and a giant owl with a sardonic sense of humor. Uh, I think the beautiful magic user, she felt very much like a druidess of some sort, uh, talking with the owl living in this sort of forest by herself. Uh, here is the long-awaited story of the meeting of Tanis and Kitiara, a tale of love, lust, ooh, betrayal, and revenge that takes the reader through Kryn and south to the glacial ice reach. Oh yeah, that was kind of cool. And I think of this world, an area that is not explored very often. Uh, so that was kind of cool. It, it, was, it, it had sort of, you know, like a North Pole feel, but I guess in this world, the south is where... Well, it's got to be both, but uh, uh, it, it was cool to see that sort of, uh, uh, and tribes living on the ice flows and uh, uh, polar bears and uh, uh, evil had sort of taken hold in that area. That, that was cool as well. On that note, very much enjoyed this book. Uh, easy five out of five. Um, uh, the, it was sort of like a bit of a love triangle as well. Um, and, and then through adversity, uh, the three of them sort of come to uh, at least res seemingly respect one another. So uh, that's cool. Uh, the, the, the hulking former lover, which he, I don't think he was ever really described that way. Um, he was sort of more like Kit, just in the sense that they're not um, quote unquote good Whereas Tannis, uh, very much sort of, uh, always sort of going to do what's right. These two are more looking out for number one. Uh, but then Kit sort of leans more towards Tannis. It, it always sort of feels like and ends up with him. Um, uh, yeah. Okay. So let's move on to, <laughs> I guess, uh, the companions, uh, Dragonlance meeting sextet number six, the final book of the series. Mm. Uh, uh, Karen, uh, Caramon, Strum, and Tasselhoff on an innocent ship's errand. Okay, let's try that sentence again. 
Karaman, Strum, and Tasselhoff, on an innocent ship's errand, are blown thousands of miles off course by a magic windstorm and transported to the eastern Blood Sea. Karaman and Strum are left for dead, while Ta Tasselhoff mysteriously turns against his friends. Huh? Uh, back in Solas, Raistlin convinces Flint Fireforge and Tannis Halfelven that they must make a perilous journey to Mythas, the kingdom of the Minotaurs. Their task, colon, I feel like I have to say colon, not only to rescue their friends, but also defeat the elusive Nightmaster. The Nightmaster, I should say. Okay, so that's the end of the description. Uh, the Nightmaster is trying to bring into the world the god of the Minotaurs, who's like a chaotic, evil giant scary thing so needless to say we don't want this happening um uh, something sort of cool in this the minotaurs with this sort of a uh, spell to bring this god in mind have uh joined forces with uh ogres as well as sea ogres which uh, i don't think I, I knew sea elves existed i don't know if i ever heard of sea ogres before so that was kind of cool to see them a little bit uh the other thing i like of this book um which i think maybe was my favorite of the series just because even that um it, it's got everyone basically from the the books that i've been building up to which i'm going to start uh today probably um so i like that um writing wise easy six Oh, <laughs> easy. Six out of five. Was that a Freudian? Uh, because it's the meaning sextet and this is book number six. Yeah. Okay. I'll tell you what. It's my favorite of a series, a series that I very much enjoyed. Uh, it's book six of a six book series. So it's going to get a six out of five. Hey, look at that. Um, yeah, just, just, just sort of my quintessential escaping from reality into a world of fantasy book where uh, shit is always happening from one moment to the next. The fact that they had uh, two and a half, uh, two and change, uh, separate stories being told at any given moment, where you could sort of, probably even more actually, now that I think about it, uh, where you're sort of hopping around and seeing what everyone is up to, building towards this final battle. Really, really uh, how I like my fantasy pulls you in uh pulls you away from the real world which is just why i like these types of books because i don't want to think about the real world because it's a horrible uh dumpster fire for the most part yay uh i i can give uh just why don't we give the uh, uh the the series as a whole the meeting sextet uh solid five the only one i didn't <laughs> really enjoy too much which uh I liked it more when I was done it and when I had finished it was the one uh, I was book number three I think it was let me just see uh, uh, Wonderla uh, 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 the oath and the measure yeah the one with uh, Strum that one hit 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 or miss hit hit or miss for that one a little bit a little bit uh, okay let's oh shit gotta go here gotta go here okay pushing button again game gabin 
Today's game, Gavin sponsor is Skeleton Eye Jewelry and Watch Repair. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, I have uh, sort of an interesting one here. Uh, played recently a couple of uh, sessions of D&D at a convention. Now, that doesn't sound safe. Coronavirus, going to a convention with, you know, thousands of people in the same room all gathered around. No, this was an online convention, which is a thing now, apparently. It was called uh, Con of Champions, and uh, what it did was interesting, and there's still probably some kinks to be worked out, uh, and maybe there's other ways of doing it, but uh, for the most part, I think it was fairly successful. Is uh, So you would buy a ticket, and uh, the... the, the like there's certain levels of tickets you can purchase, uh, the higher the level, the sooner you can start signing up for games. Uh, if you run a game, uh, you can then, uh, you know, get, which I'm thinking of doing next year, maybe, uh, if you run a game, then you, you know, you automatically get a ticket of so high a level. Um, and what that means is, uh, they open up every day for like a week. I think it was, um, when you can sign up. So obviously if you spend a, uh, a ticket with a, a higher dollar amount, you can sign up sooner, which means you're more likely to get a spot at a table to play whatever game. It wasn't just Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, those were what I signed up for just because that's what I'm f familiar with for the most part, but there was a tons, tons of different other games you could sign up for as well. Um, uh, the two I played in one was called Tower of Gax which was uh sounded like a, a module the dm had uh, written and run a couple of times that one was really fun uh it was just sort of a, a good old-fashioned dungeon crawl uh the only complaint <laughs> uh not so much a complaint because now i can look back at it and laugh uh one of the players he <laughs> he would describe just about everything he did in such sort of uh, flowery, uh, voluminous is a word I'm going to use and, uh, lengthy descriptions that, uh, it was funny. Definitely at first it was funny. Then it got less funny. And by the end it was funny again. Um, <laughs> but there was also the thing I didn't like about it the most. Uh, it was the fact that because he took so much time to do everything, um, by the end, we had to sort of speed through some things that probably we wouldn't have otherwise if he hadn't used, you know, a, a solid, legitimate 60 seconds of talking to describe, um, you know, one hit with his sword against a thing. <laughs> you know, throw a little of that in, uh, and, you know, for the most part, he did it well. Um, it's, it was just a, a little much, you know, you know what the problem I think is, uh, that style, if we can call it a style, which I think we can, of, uh, uh gaming gameplay can easily fit a home game, uh, probably be great on a podcast, you know, really, really get some uh, description on a podcast for people listening. The, where it doesn't really fit is in this, where it's sort of a time session, uh, a one shot with a bunch of strangers where um, you only have a certain amount of time. And that's sort of the key there time uh, where you only have a certain amount of time to play. And uh, if you don't get to the end, you don't get to the end and you never see each other again. So uh, uh, other than that, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I think I was, 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. One of the things I like the best too. Uh, well, like the best. <laughs> just, just the the general sort of puzzles and and fighting and traps and such. Uh, was the fact that uh, the DM said uh, when we had finished that uh, we all did very well, and uh, he said we were one of the smartest groups he'd ever had run this uh, run through this little dungeon. So uh, that felt good. I, I, I like I like when a DM also has fun, which is something, uh, which is one of the reasons I think if you play Dungeons and Dragons long enough, you should at least take a crack at DMing so you could see it from the other side of the table and. Hopefully, uh, appreciate that more. He, uh, had some cool systems as well where, uh, we couldn't manipulate the map ourselves, but he had a map up that we could see. This was all done through Discord. Was it hundred percent Discord? I think it was. Yeah. Um, where we could see the map and, uh, say, okay, can, uh, you move me over here? And he would just move the tokens, which gave me some ideas for my own game. Um, yeah, very, very good. Uh, I've played in both of these, I should say a, um, my sort of thought was I wanted to play the same character in all sessions of this convention. Originally, I signed up for three, but one of them, it was like a level one, and the guy was wouldn't let me um, play this character, basically. So, I, if it, yeah, it, and he, he sounded like a kind of a jerk. <laughs> so I, I decided to, I, I didn't say any of this to him, obviously. I, I just said, oh, sorry, I had something come up. I, I can't make this game. Um, and, and let them know a couple days beforehand. So uh, whatever. Um, so I played a, uh, a druid, a cobalt druid, uh, like a fungal druid. So he was like covered in mushrooms and all kind of gross and stuff. His name was Zag. And I uh, named him that because it was Tower of Gax and Gax backwards is Zag. Huh? Uh, and, and then, uh, the second one we played, uh, or I played in was called Into the Storm. I say we played... Uh, because uh, a couple of girls from the Fire Breathing Kittens podcast uh, that uh, I have very much enjoyed playing with, uh, we decided we were going to sort of sync up for one game, so we did for this one. Now, the DM, um, I think his like screen name was Evil DM, and uh, one of the players was someone he had played with, uh, had a history with, let's say, uh, and, and it sort of sounded like he was one of these old school DMs who is not afraid to kill you. <laughs> and there was times where uh, some of us definitely came close to dying. Uh, in fact, I think I was the only one who sort of technically... No, I did die. <laughs> uh, well, uh, yeah. Uh, basically what happened at the end... This was kind of fun. We went to this uh, sort of a haunted castle ruins at the top of a hill just to see if we could find a cannibal that we had accidentally unleashed on the populace. Oops. Um, and uh, we get up there and uh, end up battling this giant skeleton thing. Uh, I pull from the skeleton's head a, 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 a giant ruby, like 4,000 gold it was worth, I remember. Um, and, and that sort of defeated it because I guess that's what was uh, powering it. Uh, we then get further into the uh, sort of temple area of this and there's this giant snake creature who basically we had no spells. Uh, some of us were half dead and there was no way we were going to defeat this thing. So uh, I used my uh, last spell, uh, Expedious Retreat, 
or expeditious expeditious i always get it backwards mixed up uh and basically because the session was going to end in probably about two three minutes i decided uh, i am going to run <laughs> and leave everyone else to die which is sort of what happened uh, they made it out barely whereas i uh, made it back to uh the boat that brought us there uh paid for passage and left however and this was sort of interesting the way we got there was sort of through a uh, a strange portal of some sort uh, via boat through a portal uh, and it turns out uh, it's sort of a one way and when you go back through the other way you don't really know where you're gonna end up so literally in the last seconds of this uh, session uh, my character Zag uh, pops through the portal the other side uh, and found himself in uh, 1943 in the Bermuda Triangle just sort of in the middle of nowhere interesting yes uh and, and then he drowned because obviously he's in the middle of the ocean um so all in all i did have fun in the con of champions and i think i would do it again uh and, and i'm sort of curious about ways that online conventions will happen in the future and uh although there was some bugs and uh, some things that didn't go 100%, I think, uh, overall, you know, a, a good experience and would recommend. Moving on to pushing this button. <laughs> Charlie, Charlie bit me. Today's internet intercourse sponsor is Crazy Larry's Chicken Lip Purse Emporium, now 100% dream thief free. Item the first, Funhouse colon co-op adventure mod. Yeah, uh, this is cool. Uh, they are uh, playing games that exist. <laughs> <laughs> what a stupid way to say this. They're playing games, uh, but the specifically uh, playing community-made mods for the games. If you're unfamiliar with what a mod is, uh, you know, a video game will come out, and then uh, uh, people who play the game uh, sometimes have available to them the tools that the people who made the game uh, had. And <clears throat> then sometimes they'll burp really loud. And then they'll take those tools and make sort of their own game using the same engine. Uh, Gary's Mod was one, uh, I think it was the first thing I ever bought on Steam. Oh, you know what? I could see my little badge. I'll tell you right now. I'll go to my... <clears throat> go to my profile. Because uh, they give you a little badge. 12 years. 12 years ago. That's a long time. I am... Uh, uh, if you want to add me, Pickles McGee, the word Pickles, and then the last name McGee. I am level 78. Holy shit. Am I right? That's pretty high. Of my friends, I am the highest. Uh, of my friends, I'm the one without children. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, so, uh, they played some fun ones. Uh, I, I think using Gary's mod, uh, definitely the last one looked like it. 
the uh, Andy Cortez came in uh, and played one with them. And uh, the last one was really cool because they had Spool come in. And uh, if you were a longtime Funhouse uh, watcher, like I am from the beginning, uh, Spool was a cast member way, way back in the day, probably... Jeez, I wonder how many years ago that would be. That's a good question. Uh, who sort of went off to do his own thing, I, I think, in the real non-YouTube world. Uh, so it was fun to see him uh, come back and just a bunch of us kind of old friends shoot the shit while playing a, a ridiculously hard-looking game. Uh, mod, modded game. Uh, a lot of fun. Highly recommend uh, Funhouse in general, but uh, that th- this one in particular... Also, they did some cool things. Oh, yeah, I did want to mention this. Normally, my notes are pretty basically non-existent, but here I actually put a note. Uh, Let me just read my note. Very good and some cool production values, especially in the opening show, showing some possibilities for working from home and making it comically seem like they are in the same room. Oh, yeah, okay. So uh, they had a, a cool little show opening buffer, and... Basically, they just sat in front of green screens and then uh, uh, animated fake legs. Well, they weren't even animated. They were just, like, pictures of legs, so it looked like they were, like, walking around where their top halves could, like, move still, giving each other high fives, sort of, (laughs) because they're in different rooms. Uh, I I don't know. It, It just, like, it made me think, okay, so being stuck in home for this length of time, uh, if that hadn't have happened, something creative like this would not exist. So, you know, hashtag silver lining. Moving on to uh, Dangerously Funny, colon, Polly Bridge. Oh, uh, yeah, uh, Dangerously Funny, I spoke of quite a bit during my uh, Stardew Valley uh, days when I was playing the shit out of that game, which, man, uh, a couple of times lately, especially with Animal Crossing being around, I've like uh, had a little bit of an itch to go back to it. Uh, yeah. Anyways, um, uh, so he plays a game. Well, he plays a lot of games, but uh, he's been playing one called Polybridge, which I've seen from time to time. I think I've played it as well. I- I've played games like this, where basically uh, you have to build a bridge and get something, be it a car, be it a whatever, uh, whatever it is, from one side of a. Uh, 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 piece of land to another using a bridge that you build with a certain amount of materials and a certain amount of money and you'll have a budget and uh, a lot of trial and error trying to figure out what works and uh he does it well and uh it's fun to see what he does so uh, i've been watching that it's sort of relaxing uh, uh funny and uh just interesting so that's what happens in internet intercourse bring back things from the internet that are interesting yeah uh, last but not least is the HeadGum Podcast. Yeah, uh, so, uh, f- new, which I'm trying not to add too many new podcasts that I'm listening to, just because uh, I don't listen to as many as I used to, I know that I'm working from home uh, 100% of the time, so, you know, there's that, but, uh, but, but this one I couldn't resist, because, uh, it's got, uh, Jeffrey James, I think he's gonna be the host, uh, the first uh, uh, handful of episodes, three, I think it's been so far, I uh, had uh, Jake and Amir as well, uh, and they're just sort of getting people in from the HeadGum community, be it people who work for the actual company, uh, probably uh, fellow podcasters on the network, uh, and, you know, just kind of a show where you can go and shoot the shit a little bit, which is what podcasting is all about, shooting the shit a little bit, shooting the shit a little bit, that rhymes. 
And you know it rhymes. Folks, we did it. We made it to the end with difficulty, but made it nonetheless. That leaves one final thing to say, which is always a final thing to say, which is it's nice to be nice to the nice. Bad boys. This is the end of the show. A sincere thank you for listening. Time to plug some things and I do not mean. But you can like us on Facebook. You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes. Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email jordan.maywood at gmail.com. I would like to conclude that I am not a robot and that I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine The best is yet to come Live long and prosper